0: Okay, let's do it. Welcome everybody. My name is Vanessa Yanez. I'm the president of PRSA Silicon Valley. You are on PRSA Silicon Valley's Friday Forum. Uh, We are so happy you are here. Uh, Hopefully, uh, you joined us either from our LinkedIn Live, Facebook page. uh, We're even on Twitter, too. Uh, Every week, this is the PR industry, the communication industry's team meeting. That means it's one hour learning, teaching, being with you, and making the best decisions we could possibly make to learn about things that we can go and make use of in our day-to-day jobs. Communicators, business people, you will appreciate today's conversation. It's all about career. Uh, Once again, for those joining us for the first time, Friday forums are almost every Friday, 60 minutes and out, join us and you hear from people who are making a difference. So today is no exception. You can see Visa's uh, Vice President Stacey Zolt-Hara is with us today. Uh, she will be talking about her career, um, wh- what drives her, how she got to where she is, all the things that you might wanna know as you navigate your own career. Now, I just wanna take a second to say, everybody, we know that there is so much happening that we can't control wars, pandemics, all the things. There are lots of things we can't do right now. But if you take this one hour for yourself, I guarantee, based on my own experience of doing over 70 of these, that you will be able to walk away and not only move on and be able to do what you need to do, but have some energy too. So we're so glad you're here with us. Show me now. Why are you not looking at me? This is just my voice. Oh, hi everybody, it's good to see you. So if you're joining us for the first time, Friday Forums work like this. You get online, you see us, we start talking, and we get to you in the chat. So we wanna take your questions, we wanna hear from you, we wanna hear about your experiences too, because learning and teaching is everything that we try to do. PRSA, Silicon Valley, Public Relations Society of America. Silicon Valley chapter is a state of mind. So, you don't have to be here in Silicon Valley with me, my living room, reading my books. You don't have to be doing any of that. Just be here with us, join us, listen in, and well, let's get to the show. So, like many of you, um, we are all rethinking what's going on in our careers. This has been the last couple of years has been all about that. So, today is all about career. And um, let me introduce Kamalia Jendrow to you. She is uh, one of our board members at PRSA Silicon Valley. And oh, by the way, there are 26 board members. That means people who are volunteering their time to help you, our public relations, our communications community. So if you feel like you have something to give, DM me, get in the chat, talk to us. Kamalia is another person that you want to hear from, certainly because She's been on the board for more than a few years. Um, you may know her from her roles at HP, thought leadership around product and printing, uh, thought leadership around diversity, equity, and inclusion. Some of her work with MIT is super interesting around women and girls. Um, she's also somebody who knows a lot about reputation and measurement. And we got to have her back just to talk about that on a future conversation. Uh, you may know her, too, from uh, Head of Integrated Communications at Caring. Or maybe when she was at Sojourn, uh, she's also held a couple roles within the agency world, both at Fleischman Hillard and Highwire PR. So somebody who's been around the communications world, extensive experience and knows a lot about her own career. She is about to interview in a lovely fireside chat, Stacey Zoltara from Visa. Camellia, let's bring Camellia up, Paul.
1: Hi. Thanks, Vanessa. And hi, everybody. Hi, be back on Friday Forum, meeting the team virtually. Um, Thank you for that lovely intro, Vanessa. Um, I'm very excited for the conversation today. Before I dive in and tell you a little bit about Stacey and what she does and where she's been, I want to take just maybe 15 seconds to acknowledge what is happening in the world today, this week. Um, It hits kind of close to home for me because I am Romanian. Romania shares a very large border with ukraine and um we're seeing a lot of turmoil in that part of the world i'm sure you guys are all up to speed keeping up with the news um, i just want to acknowledge that um, there are people right now who are frightened are suffering are fleeing their homes um, that some of our colleagues may have relatives, family who live in Eastern Europe, who live in Ukraine. Um, if there is anything that the board can do to support you, or just know that we are thinking of you and you are not alone. So, um, with that said, um, let's start the conversation with Stacy. Stacy Zaltara is um, currently leading global, global employee and executive communications at VSOC. Before that, she served as a senior leader at Edelman, partnering with CEOs at United Airlines, Antis- Ancestry, Western Union, so on and so forth, um, to lift corporate and executive reputation at mission-critical moments. Winner of Global Sabre Award and North America Sabre Award for um, her work with United Airlines. And also, right now, she is also a guest lecturer at Columbia University School of Business. Thank you, Stacy.
2: Thank you so much for having me today. What an amazing opportunity to connect with colleagues um, and um, other like-minded professionals in the area. And um, as I said to the group when we were backstage, like no one else other than a group of um, PR pros could pull off such a professional event off the side of their desks as all of you who are doing this in your volunteer time. So thank you for having me. And, um, you know, along with the great Introduction from Camila and, and Vanessa. I also want to acknowledge, you know, the crisis that's happening and the the just um, unbelievable amount of violence that our um, friends across the Russia Ukraine region and certainly across across all of Europe are with the amount of fear kind of going through that region right now. And um, just acknowledge that that's happening in the background of all of this. And hopefully, this is a moment where we can we can focus on some on some different things even within that context.
1: Yes. So in, in the bio that I sort of walked through at the top of this conversation doesn't really address the beginning of your career. Um, and if you are okay with that, I'd love to start there and hear more from you about your work as a reporter. And then you're working in the political and public affairs space. You worked for Senator Dick Durbin for a number of years. So you've sort of weaved from journalism into politics and then into communications in a super interesting way and would love to hear about more about it. Sure. Thanks for that.
2: You know, I started off my career as a reporter covering Congress. I was um, a, a, a young and um, uh, blissfully ignorant, um, <laughs> a very ballsy person stomping around Capitol Hill, getting sources, trying to pretend I knew what I was doing. I mean, we we call that now imposter syndrome, but that was my that was my life. And um I, you know, really started out being very fortunate to have kind of um wedged my way into some great opportunities. Um, we can talk a little bit about that too. Um, but I first and foremost am a writer. I still think of myself that way. Um, you know, having started my career as a reporter and thinking about how to take really complex issues and um, and situations and translate them to audiences in a way that was comprehensible and truly kind of brought home what was in it for them and why they should care. Driving forth that kind of curation mindset each and mm-hmm. every day is something that I've carried with me throughout my career. And, you know, in particular, when I made the transition from uh, from reporter into press secretary, mm-hmm. one of the Biggest lessons that I learned from Senator Durbin, who is, you know, by far one of the the best messaging strategists that there are in Washington, D.C., and that is very much the role that he has always had among his fellow Democrats, um, is to truly understand how to make something matter around the kitchen table and when we would be, you know, traveling through downstate Illinois and meeting with people in, you know, Decatur or Effingham and driving around, i spent a lot of time sitting in the backseat of the car, you know, with news mm-hmm. spread all over my lap, trying to figure out what people are talking about and how to insert the senator's agenda into that dialogue
0: mm-hmm.
2: so that we were creating our own view on the public discourse rather than trying to create something Net new and wedge into that story. Um, Mm -hmm. And so building that narrative is something that, you know, even 20 plus years later, Mm -hmm. I still connect with and think about each and every day as I do my job.
1: How did you make your way into the agency world? How did that come about? Yeah.
2: I was, I I think about it in terms of just being um, rescued, actually. I was um, I I went from journalism, where you know you're working like seven days a week and it's you know super intense, into um, politics, which Mm -hmm. is you know investment banker for investment banker hours for minimum wage, Mm -hmm. Um, and eventually was like you know what I just I think that I'm sort of out of the cycle and I need to be sort of rescued into thinking about how I can take the skill set and apply it into something new. Mm -hmm. Um, So I had a very dear friend who. Dennis Culleton, who is, you know, truly one of the best in the business, and he had been Governor George Ryan's press secretary. And he was masterful, I think, in doing that really hard job of representing an elected official through crisis and, frankly, through, um, you know, um, enormous amount of, of scrutiny and legal action that ultimately landed that governor in jail. And Dennis was remarkable in that he you know, stood up at that press secretary podium day in and day out and was able to maintain this incredible relationship with, with, with media at the same time as he was representing this governor who was under um, legal fire. And um, I just had such a reverence for the way in which he conducted himself with class and elegance and um, great intellectual capacity through that entire challenge. And we had become very dear friends when I was working for Senator Durbin and Durbin and Ryan worked together on an OER expansion project. So Dennis said to me, when you're ready to jump over into the side and I can rescue you, please let me know. And so I was very lucky to have taken under his wing and worked in a public affairs agency in Chicago, where um, in sort of his, in typical Chicago fashion, we um, helped a lot of companies out when they landed in hot water in the crosshairs mm-hmm. of Chicago's messy political environment. Um, and it was a great training ground. I loved it. it. It turned me into, you know, a business savvy operator as well as a communications professional. Mm-hmm. I loved, um, you know, some people in the agency world hate new business. I sort of loved it. Um, learned how to build relationships. Learned how to sell just by doing great work. And building on that and growing business organically, building relationships with clients, and very similar to politics, you know that kind of public affairs work is all about the win. And I loved building teams that were just you know armies of happy warriors in it for the win. Um, and interestingly, you know even though that experience was incredibly parochial, you know we really specialized in Chicago and Illinois politics, which are kind mm. of breed. When I eventually moved overseas to to Singapore a few years later, I found that you know some of the work that I was doing in um, helping companies manage through issues in developing countries like Malaysia, for example, were actually not that different. Um, and when I looked at kind of the political environment there and helping companies kind of navigate that, much of that environment in in many of um, these. You know, sort of developing countries is very similar to the kind of ethnic and racial politics that drive business engagement and the way the businesses have to have to engage with communities in order to win the ability to operate and grow their business and operations. And so, my experience in that kind of Chicago rough and tumble area really prepared me well for my work in international public affairs. Mm.
1: Well, as they say, all politics is local, right? (laughs) Absolutely.
2: absolutely
1: that's great so that pretty much about brings us i think to visa in your current role there um we obviously all know we've all heard of visa visa touches so many of our uh, day-to-day lives and transactions and uh, in ways that are seen and unseen um and so your impact as the leader of internal communications and um, executive comms is a huge one. How do you think about your role in the context of today, where internal comms in the last couple of years has taken such a such a step forward and, and into the limelight due to the many overlapping crises um, that we've been confronted with, and has, has also in a way contributed to the rise of this perception that my employer, not just business in general, but my employer is the most trusted source of information, which has come out in the last few, you know, Edelman Trust Barometers and other industry reports. Um, so a lot of pressure, right, on you and on your team.
2: Yeah. So I think, you know, just to kind of take a step back. So my career, as you, as you heard, my career journey, and that's really, you know, what we're talking about today, right, is, is, is that and how one thing prepares you for the other. Mm-hmm. Um, and though my career has had this really kind of um, uh, step stool sort of approach to it, where one step kind of overlap the next, kind of overlap the next, it really has built on, on one thing has built on, on the next and has prepared me well. So I joined Visa to be um, global head of corporate reputation and public affairs, building a new narrative around Visa. As you mentioned, it's a company that is um, really in the fabric of our lives and the ways in which not only commerce, but the ways in which money moves. In, in ways that are seen and unseen, and building that narrative in a way that people could better understand the impact the visa was having on their lives as a consumer and that we were having on the world at large as a global engine of commerce. As the environment really started to change, particularly um Midway through this pandemic, it was very clear, as you mentioned, through Edelman Trust Barometer and many other sources that we were seeing this evolution in the power of the voice of the employee, the importance of engaging our employees as our most important stakeholder in the company, and that we were on the precipice of the biggest change that we've seen in generations in the way that people work and the relationship between the employee and the employer. And so I was asked to take on this role that in many ways took a very different look at employee communications and the ways in which executives should be um, engaging with employees. And you know, the first thing that I did, you know, in addition to really getting smart on employee comms and what we do and how we do it, because it hadn't Previously, been something that I was in the trenches of. I had led teams that had employee comms experts mm-hmm. in it, but I wasn't the throat to choke. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I here I right am with a totally new thing to learn, and the very first thing I did was engage and appoint really a leadership team that were, you know, my employees, but the people who I was looking to to teach me, to train me, to keep mm-hmm. me in check, and make sure that I understood the way we were doing things first and then taking a look at our business strategy and understanding where does the employee experience fit into that and finally since i do also cover all of our internal and external communications around corporate responsibility and our corporate societal impact thinking through what is the what are the values that visa has that we talk about in our corporate values and our leadership principles and our in our mission purpose and vision And how does that first express itself within our own four walls? And what is the impact that we then want to imprint on the world in which we live and work? Mm -hmm. So how do I engage employees around that through the voice of the executive and through all of our various channels? And this is, you know, as you mentioned, Camelia, I mean, it is more important than ever. I think as um, Vanessa alluded to in her welcome of the group today, you know, every person on the planet right now has experienced two plus years of trauma Mm -hmm. and understanding that and starting there that all of us have experienced various degrees and varied degrees of, um, this roller coaster over the last couple of years. And just as, you know, marketers oftentimes look at the consumer and say, this person is bringing a lived experience and a path toward, um, the purchase point, the the conversion point, whatever it is that we're asking for them to do. The same is true of employees. Every employee is bringing their own lived experience to the table. And it is incumbent upon employers to be able to meet them where they are, engage them and continuously earn that trust. Because people are coming to work, you know, going from one room to the next for the Mm most part right now, and they are exhausted. So we need to think carefully about how we engage with them, what we say to them, how often we're talking with them and what are the tools and channels that we're using to get there.
1: Mm. Speaking of moving from one to room to the next, from the bedroom to the living room to, uh, to joint conferences and whatnot, there's a rumor going around that you have famously used a treehouse as <laughs> <your headquarters laughs> during the pandemic. Is that true?
2: It is indeed true. There is proof. Um, oh my gosh, my dog is going, I mean, this is like, isn't this like a perfect example of what is going on in this world right now? My dog is exhausted by all of this. Um, so I am very, very fortunate, but also, um, You know, fueled by having four kids. I have two of my own and two stepkids. And in the beginning of the pandemic, we had six people working and going to school in this house. It was madness. (laughs) Not to mention, my children range from, um, at the time, it was, I had a third grader all the way up to a seventh grader with my two steps in between. So now two years later, we have a lot of puberty happening in this household. And you have to find escape wherever you can. So the funny story about the tree house is um, my, my son has um, the most incredible big, big brown eyes you've ever seen in your life. And um, earlier that year, he had asked me with these big brown eyes, mommy, I would really like um, a tree house. And so I, designed and built like this absolutely incredible treehouse, And I can tell you, I can count on one hand the amount of times that this child has hung out in this treehouse. Mm-hmm. So when it came time for all six of us to be working from home, we put Wi-Fi extenders out and I sat in that tree house at every opportunity I could to literally just escape. And um, it became sort of the lore among um, many of our colleagues.
1: Aren't you glad I, you built a, a beautiful, well-designed treehouse? Sturdy treehouse. I mean, honestly,
2: it would be for in some parts of the world, it would be like a glamping situation <laughs> to just being out there. And I'm really hopeful that at some point this kid will decide to actually use the thing. But for now, I'm just going to make fun of him about it and make him
1: guilty. That sounds like a vacation to me. <laughs> But, um, you know, in all seriousness, there's there's there are so many things we learned for the first time or relearned during the pandemic. What new ways of doing business, new ways of working, new ways of collaborating. It'll be interesting to see which ones of these stick. Right. As as I feel now with Omicron sort of dialing down a little bit, a lot of employers are rushing to get all their employees back into the office. And I wonder if some of these best practices and learnings won't won't be lost. Um, what's your take on the way you've been doing um, employee comms? I know that um, you actually instituted a weekly video method, message from the from yeah. CEO. And uh, initially it was, you know, it was really unedited and unscripted. And later it became a little more well-produced, but Probably part of the appeal, I would think, is that that uh, sort of less scripted and produced quality of it. Um, what best practices are you keeping? What are you probably tossing as we move to the next stage? Yeah. So,
2: um, one of my biggest concerns around. Um, Employee engagement and the ability for employees to connect with leaders is that we will go back to the office and we will work in this hybrid environment, and employees will suddenly feel disconnected from leaders. Mm -hmm. Leaders at Visa did an unbelievably impressive job of prioritizing connection and finding really unique ways to do so. Um, You know, everyone from our um, president of technology, Rajat Taneha, who um, really, gosh boy, did he show up with a high EQ for employees during this time did such an amazing job connecting he did this you know behind behind the screen these interviews with other leaders and brought leaders into um into his um, function all hands, which is really important because technology is like half of our company. It's a big, it's a huge, huge amount of people and they're really dispersed all over the world. Um, so that's been really important. We have been really leaning into measurement in the ways that we think about what we keep and what we get rid of. Mm-hmm. So early on in the pandemic we were doing um a whole lot of you know in, um extra amount of employee emails of insight stories of special features that we were putting on our internet And at first sort of the engagement of those was really high and then it went down. Mm -hmm. And so as it's gone down, we've also pulled our employees to understand and do focus groups around what, what are you looking for from us? How can we help? And it's really changed and it's gone in these different kinds of peaks and troughs throughout this two year journey. And now Mm -hmm. as we're going back into the office, we're thinking about that once again with Al's videos, Um, and I have to say, you know, from the authenticity factor and really just being true to, um, to himself and sharing and being open and leading with humanity first, Al Kelly is best in class. Um, he is just absolutely one of the most heartfelt, authentic leaders I've ever had the opportunity to work with. And I'm so grateful for that. Um, for that he leads with his heart and it, opens the door and, and gives that leadership example for everybody. And it is top down in terms of creating that culture at Visa and it shows. Um, he's really prioritized teaching and showing leaders what it means to be empathic at this time. And it really has mattered for our employees. The weekly videos for him, we've tracked kind of the metrics over time. And when it started to sort of pull back, we went to an every other week factor, but we are going to continue it for the time being. And then interestingly, what one of the things we've done, I think I, I mentioned this to you when we were kind of preparing for this, is um, our quarterly all hands, we've developed them now to be a bit more like um, more produced sort of TV show. And we create this opportunity for Me to interview Al based on Mm -hmm. the questions that are sort of coming in to curate in the moment with the help of an amazing behind the scenes team to kind of look at what are what's thematically what's Mm -hmm. kind of coming through for employees. Then also for Al to do what we call like phone a friend and he'll say, Hey, can I call on you know Ryan McInerney, our president, or Kelly Mm -hmm. Toulier, our chief administrative and people Mm -hmm. officer, to step in and answer a question? And then these executives sort of seamlessly pop in because. The magic and incredible skill of our corporate IT team, mm-hmm. and as we've increased the production value of these all hands, um, our uh, engagement and our viewership has gone up quarter on quarter consistently.
1: Can they also buy a vowel? I'm, I'm sorry? sorry. Can they also buy, Can a, they vowel? Also buy a vowel?
2: <laughs> <laughs> but I also, you know, one of the things I think it just brings up another another thought for me is that it's so important for us as particularly as an employee and executive communications team to be thinking of ourselves as a media company and Mm -hmm. holding out you know story first audience and then looking at that channel the same ways in which you would if you were communicating externally and thinking about the suite Mm -hmm. of channels that you have to engage. And one of the key things within a company is to be a really good collaborator and partner because you can't do that without the partnership of corporate events, corporate IT, executive IT, and right. the chiefs of staff or business operations leads within each of the functions that you partner with. So collaboration is just crucial. Right.
1: PR is a um, is definitely a team sport for sure. Uh, <laughs> Um, I'm glad you mentioned content because one of the things that I'm thinking about right now as I look at the media landscape is, um, gosh, it is really complex. There's a lot of turbulence there, like in many other systems. There's a lot of new players rising. um, and, And also, a lot of owned content and owned mediums are popping up in a way that haven't before. Um, how do you stay ahead of all of these trends? And and, and you know, for a brand as well known as Visa, how, how do you think of that in a way that's industry
2: leading? Well, I think you know, first and foremost, it's incumbent on all of us to be really smart students all the time. Um, I am just I'm endlessly kind of curious. I consider myself a student of the communications industry always, and um, I think you know, a skill that. I really picked up um, in my time at Edelman and it's certainly exemplified from, you know, my former boss and mentor, Richard Edelman, is just to always be learning and always be challenging yourself, never to be satisfied and always be thinking about what's next I'm always looking at what are other brands doing, How are other companies operating. I read a lot that is coming out of um, many of the agencies. Um, you know I think even in the last couple of days, you know the type of insights that we've been getting from you know our agencies, Porter Novelli and FGH has just been absolutely amazing in helping us to really think about how other companies are acting, benchmarking and looking across the ways in which we're in the ways in which we're working. The other thing that, you know, I really do is I keep up my relationships with media, particularly with um, their in-house kind of agencies around sponsored content and owned content. And I open up that conversation. If they have something new that they want to share or they want to tell me what's coming next in terms of their expansions, I am all ears and I want to be part of those dialogues. And what's fun and interesting about that in building those partnerships is that oftentimes if you're sort of first to the table as a brand with something new that, you know, a media platform is doing, you can usually, you know, negotiate a better deal for your, Mm -hmm. for, for your company. You can usually um, sort of create something new and experience experiment together and Mm -hmm. think about it, not as, you know, a vendor slash, um, company relationship, but as a true partnership where you're looking to create great content together and put it out into the world in a way that is interesting and innovative and think about how you can create a shared purpose for both of you around an engagement.
1: Mm, I love that. Um, if we switch gears a little bit to to talk, uh, to focus a little bit more on corporate reputation and reputation in general and crisis communications and issues management how do you think about um, building this narrative around Visa that is rooted in action, right, and in corporate action? Um, What proof points do you seek? How do you – are you part of the ideation process? Um, Are you able to shape corporate policy and action around some of these key issues and topics? And I'm thinking of things of you guys have – had so many amazing media moments recently, but I'm thinking of the the black uh, um, black scholars and jobs program and and um, some of the Visa Foundation um, grants and whatnot. Sure.
2: Yeah, I mean, we're. I consider myself so fortunate to work for a company that will not tell a story unless it's grounded in real facts and impact. There are a lot of companies out there. I think, you know, being in the PR business, sometimes people come to you and they're like, hey, can you just spin us a story? We're looking for a headline that says X and you got to figure out a way to do that. And I've been in those situations before. Visa's not that. And um, I'm so, so lucky to be in a company that takes action first and then tells stories And so when we do that, we are part of the conversation from the very beginning. We have really deep relationships with um, across our corporate responsibility group. Um, We have an amazing um, chief diversity officer and head of corporate responsibility and also a, a fantastic team of leaders underneath Michelle Gathers Clark who are really focused on impact first. So when I think back to, you know, your question around the Visa Black Scholars Program, That originated, you know, in the wake of George Floyd's horrific murder, our CEO um, and um, uh, many amongst the executive leadership team said, you know, we want to take um, real action internally and externally. And we thought through how do we frame this in a way that, you know, really ladders back to what I said earlier of how do we first define the world that we want to see and that we will commit to create within our own proverbial four walls. And then how do we extend that out into the community? So we made a number of commitments under this umbrella of a stand together program. And first and foremost, it was about diversifying our own company and building, you know, real, um, uh, Um, commitments around what that would look like. And it's very much, you know, I think HP did an amazing job in doing this. And I was fortunate to be part of that during um, the time that HP was a client of mine. Um, And so and I think back to like putting numbers on it, you know, if you measure it, you're going to commit to it. Um, and then looking at what are we going to do among our suppliers to diversify our suppliers, also something HP's done really well. And then looking at what are we going to do within our community through you know, grants, both from Visa, Inc., as well as the foundation, as well as um, volunteer hours and empowering you know, entrepreneurs who are from underrepresented minority groups. So the Visa Black Scholars Program is a great example of the way in which we've really humbly addressed that we started out with um, a commitment to bring in 50 um, black scholars from around the country um, with uh, four classes over four years. And the commitment is that we will give them scholarships toward their four year education. And not only that, if they're able to complete that, that they, and, um, and graduate, that they will actually be offered a job at the
0: end
2: so interesting throughout is that from a storytelling perspective, you know, it's so rich in terms of what you're able to say and do, but we've really committed to telling the story in a really humble way. These scholars are amazing, and they are um, getting scholarships from all the big companies. We are not the only one at the table, and we want them at the end because Mm -hmm. our goal is to contribute to the community, to empower these students, but also to diversify our own ranks starting at the entry level. And so we really humbly approach this. We have mentors who are working with them. We think it's a long-term relationship and we just hope at the end that they choose us. Mm-hmm. But our story around it is about the scholars, their opportunity and what they're doing in their communities and not about Visa.
1: Love it. I think that's the right way to think about it. Um, Stacy, if you don't mind, we'll open up the conversation at this point. We're having a, a ton of uh, questions come through right. on social media and chats and whatnot. And, one of them is from our board member Judy, who is asking if you looked at other companies in, in, in the for-profit and nonprofit world for models of effective employee programs. And if so, what did you learn? Sure. I mean, we do, like I said, a ton
2: of benchmarking and we really look at, you know, what is best in class. Um, I love peer-to-peer learning, and I can tell you, um, you know, using and leveraging kind of the relationships that I built over the years as well as um, my agencies to take a look across the environment and see what people are doing in particular around really tough issues, like communicating around COVID or communicating return to office policies or vaccine policies. We are always looking to see what other companies are doing. And then in terms of, you know, some of the ID work and the engagement, I mean, I'll give you an example. I, um, have um, a dear former colleague from Senator Durbin's campaigns by the name of Jay Sethi. And he is now the CMO for one of Diageo's major brands. And he's done some amazing work with um, Laverne Cox around, and you've probably seen some of the ads. I mean, she's like a great spokesperson for them, but we keep in touch on Instagram just on a personal level. And I saw that he posted this amazing interview that he got to do with Laverne. Um, for all of Diageo's employees, building on the marketing relationship that they had with her. Mm -hmm. So I reached out to him and said, how did you broker that deal? What did that look like? And we had this great conversation around that, around how he's using what they call um, BRGs, business resource groups, whereas we call Mm -hmm. them BRGs, employee resource groups, and what that Mm -hmm. looks like. And out of that, we were able to then go to the marketing team and make the suggestion of like, you know, we're working with Laverne Cox, and she seems to be really open to employee engagement for the brand she's working with. Might you be able to tack on something for um, for Pride Month, and um, and see what you might be able to do? And so, what we did was we recorded this amazing video just for our employees, and we inserted it into Al Kelly's weekly video, and it was just a huge hit. Um, people were really excited to see to see a celebrity like that who's so well known for their activism and their engagement and the representation importance to be able to say that they think really highly around what Visa's doing and our impact and that they're proud to work with the brand. It was really impactful.
1: That is lovely. And it reminds me of something similar that HP did with Jane Goodall, um, who's also an icon in in the world of uh, forests and reforestation and conservation in general. And, um, uh, back to Judy, sec- the second part of Judy's question, which was, how about that early political messaging strategy to reach each voter where they are and be, and be genuine. Did you draw on some of that work or some experience, some of that experience?
2: Yeah, I mean, I come from that political background and I think that's ingrained in me. And so when I think through um, the ways in which we engage audiences of all kinds, whether they be, you know, employees or external audiences, I definitely think through, you know, that spectrum of the voter, and you know, you have the people who are your true believers; they are your base. You have the people who will never ever be with with you, and you have that whole group in between, which in politics we might call the mushy middle. And our role <laughs> as communicators is to engage the mushy middle and get mm-hmm. them to feel, act, do whatever it is that we want. And so, creating that kind of organic experience around them through a multi-channel approach that then gets them to that, you know, seemingly organic, but likely totally orchestrated epiphany that helps to bring long-term trust. That's our job.
1: Um, another question that came through one of the, the, the chats was, could you give us an example of a content partnership that you are particularly proud of?
2: Mm. Um. You know, I am. I was really excited about the work that we did with Glamour Magazine's podcast, "She Makes Money Move." Um, so, we recently did this podcast integration. We sponsored six episodes of Glamour's um, of Glamour She Makes Money Moves podcast, and I loved it um, because it was a really creative idea that our agency at the time, Sunshine Sachs, brought to us. And it brought Visa into a platform where you wouldn't normally expect us to be, talking specifically to an affluent female audience, which was great. Um, We negotiated um, a really smart integration where we sponsored the whole series. We had two speaking opportunities within that. We were able to, there was a separation of editorial and paid, um, Mm -hmm. so we were able to influence kind of the, um, the editorial agenda and have at least the ability to kind of like object. For example, if they were referring to credit debt, that's not something we would want. Visa is not a credit card company and it doesn't serve us to be part of that dialogue. We are payments technology company. So we wanted to talk about payments, um, global network, um, entrepreneur work and small business; those were kind of our key things that we wanted to that we wanted to touch on. So bringing those themes to that, and what was awesome about it was that we had one um, segment where we used um, one of our key executives in the product function, Mary Kay Bowman, and she's just you know great spokesperson, super like casual, chatty style that fit really well with this. And then for the second opportunity. We use the CEO of of Black Girl Ventures, which is an organization that we have supported through the Visa Foundation and Mm -hmm. Visa Inc. And that many of our executives are deeply involved in. And what I loved about that was that we actually were able to really kind of entrust that our story would be told in a really authentic and natural way just by Black Girl Ventures talking about their own story. And so Mm -hmm. by letting that kind of third-party spokesperson Touch on the things that were important to Visa. It was a more organic way to storytell and really engage the audience.
1: Well, and speaking of partnerships, I think Visa is one of the longest-standing uh, sponsors of the Olympic Games, but also the Paralympic Games. And I, there are so many amazing, amazing athletes and inspiring women and men on the uh, in the in the Paralympics. I don't even know what to start, but I think there's an interesting point where this stream intersects with employee comms because one of your team members, and I'll let you tell the whole story, but one of your team members was on on an Olympic, on a Paralympic team and won their one goal. And I'll let you tell the whole story and how that plays into how different channels can be used differently to engage with employees and beyond.
2: Sure, so one of the really cool things about visa's relationship long standing relationship with the Olympics is that we um have in a sort of an Olympic rotation program where we bring in Olympians and they do um, management training to better explore their sort of life after um professional um mm-hmm. athleticism and as a result, we actually have a lot of Olympians <laughs> as colleagues it's amazing amazing. and um you know even just this year we had one um we had uh, i think two two colleague athletes who participated um in the beijing olympics um and during um during the tokyo i'm not gonna
1: ask if they were on paid leave or not (laughs) but high performance individuals it makes sense that they would find their way to visa. Well, they're part of Team Visa
2: always. So, um, as part of the Tokyo Olympics, one of our colleagues um, competed in the basketball Paralympics and actually was part of the team that won a gold medal and even, you know, had court time and everything. I mean, it was really pretty incredible. And he was featured in, you know, many of our um, employee comms activations around the sponsorship. He was on the kind of our lock screens and, you know, many of the amazing visuals. And he is a member of our um, risk team um, and is, um, you know, a beloved colleague by many. And so many, many people from around the organization had sent him, you you know, notes of good luck and really just kind of supported him through it. And of course, you know, we all know that these last two Olympic Games have been really unique and trying for these athletes to be competing amid, you know, global pandemic is is just um, puts a whole nother layer of stress um, on what is already a um, activation superheroes are only truly capable of. And when Ryan's team won the gold, um, Ryan, after coming back to to the US he wanted to write a um, blog post thanking all of employees around their support for him and he reached out to um, a member of my team Carrie Gushiken and said you know hey I'd like to do this what do you think can I get permission to do it what do you, you know what do you think I should do and her like brilliant suggestion was that he should actually write it as a long form LinkedIn post mm-hmm. because she knew that it had the opportunity to engage people in such a heartfelt way that they will want to comment on it, share it, and otherwise sort of illustrate their pride. And we wanted to empower the employees who were feeling such pride about this and gratitude to be able to be great brand ambassadors. So it needed to have this internal to external component. So working with Carrie, Ryan wrote this amazing post that then went on to LinkedIn And what we did to promote it was we built in content cards and other sort of really great graphics that -hmm. went through a bunch of different channels where we reach out to employees that said, you know, a special thank you from Ryan. And when you clicked on it, it immediately Mm -hmm. tossed you into LinkedIn. And that way you were viewing it immediately on the LinkedIn platform where you then could comment on it, like it, share it. And it was just incredible to see so many of our colleagues talking to each other in a way that was so visible Mm -hmm. for people who we may want to recruit in the future. So it was an amazing employer brand moment.
1: Lovely. Um, And since you brought up recruiting and we have about maybe 10 to 15 minutes left of our conversation, I think we'd be remiss not to talk about that piece a little bit seeing how a lot of our audience is pros who are you know, either looking for the next step in their careers or exploring possibilities, opportunities. And um, of course, in the context of this broader trend that some people are calling the great resignation, I don't know if that's the right way to call it. Um, from what I'm seeing in on LinkedIn, anecdotally, a lot of people are leaving jobs um, but a lot of people are, are joining organizations from a place of I'm joining them because I love their values. I love what they stand for and I'm attracted to the work rather than um, hunting the, the next bigger paycheck. So what are you seeing and how is Visa doing on, on, the, on the chapter of retention, attrition? Sure, so I I similarly,
2: don't see this as the great resignation. I see it as a reframing. And I think we're all sort of reframing our relationship to work, where it fits in in our lives. I was in a conversation with um, a number of different um, chief people officers yesterday um, in this sort of cross-functional platform through um, this company called Natters. Amazing conversation, actually. And um, one of the gentlemen I was talking to said and I wrote it down, so it was like I'm going to steal this. So here I am, <laughs> using it and broadcasting it. That work isn't a place that you go; work is the thing that you do. And mm-hmm. I think recognizing that we're all sort of working, mm-hmm. as particularly as knowledge workers, we are working kind of all the time. And it's a matter of how much mind share are you earning. For that employee, and what is the relationship that you're building over the long term? And you know, I talked a lot earlier around um, Al's commitment to, you know, having um, high EQ leaders and leading with leadership principles. Talking about what is that career journey? What is our business strategy? Where do you fit into it? And what does that mean for you and your growth at Visa? We're really leaning into that and doubling down on that kind of conversation with employees during this time. Um, we are seeing some movement like every other company out there, but we're also seeing some incredible talent come to Visa, and I'm really excited about that. Um, I did see somebody say in the chat, are you hiring right now? Yes, we are. Um, there are a number of open comms roles on the team, and a lot of those are because we're growing. Um mm-hmm you know, our team is, you know, like many other comms teams in companies all around the world is being relied on increasingly for all the reasons we've discussed today. comms is really at the intersection of building that long-term trust as an institution, both with internal and external stakeholders. And we're needed and we have a seat at the table. This is a great place to be a communicator. So, you know, definitely take a look and see what we have out there.
1: Well, what a lovely, lovely note to end on. Um, and to the point of trust, um, the way I, I like to think about it is almost like a glass jar, and you have to put a marble in it every day to build trust. It's not with one or two grand gestures, it's really how you show up over time, every day, every step so of true. Every one of your audiences, right? So true. Um, well, that is wonderful. And I know, Stacy, you have a pretty hard stop. So at this point, I'm going to open it up to all of our board members and Vanessa and anyone else. If you have any more questions for Stacy, now is the time to do it. Otherwise, I will ask my trademark questions about your favorite podcast and your favorite book. Or I can just let you leave you with that thought until we, we see if anyone else has other questions. And if they don't, don't then, oh, there we go. Judy, asking about employee-focused retention statistics to see if you're making a difference compared to the averages we are reading about. Yes.
2: So we are incredibly metrics-driven and we are looking at, you know, um, all of the data that we can. And actually, our people team has done a tremendous job in the last several Weeks in particular in just diving in and rethinking the ways in which we can um, call that data and better understand what's happening within our workforce, both in, I think, um, the employees that may be leaving, but also calling the conversations that Um, recruiters are having with employees to better understand what are the things that are sort of hitting well with prospective um, hires and what isn't. And we're using that to drive business decisions around the ways in which we are building the future of um, our office and our company and our contract with employees and then communicating from there. And so I think, you know, that really comes through in everything that I've talked about today, that it starts with the business action and then the communication strategy in bringing that action to life in great stories that reach the audience.
1: All right. So what's your favorite podcast right now? And what's a book that you read recently that has made an impact?
2: Sure. So um, my favorite podcast at the moment is Smartless. With Jason Bateman, Will Arnett, and Sean Hayes. It is hilarious. I mean, it's just absolutely laugh out loud funny. Um, And, you know, sometimes they bring on some really interesting, um, you know, actors and things like that. Um, Sometimes they're bringing on people to talk about um, current events. My old friend Jake Tapper was on there over the summer, and I loved hearing about you know his approach to the news. You know, they asked him to does he ever sleep. I think maybe not with all that that man accomplishes. It's incredible, um, but it's so fun to hear. And listen to podcasts and and things that are really just about what's happening at the in the world at large. It kind of gets you out of your bubble, and mm-hmm. I think that's so very important. In addition mm-hmm. to things like you know listening to Kara Swisher's sway and mm-hmm. all the important things that we listen to for our work, having that kind of broader perspective on what's happening within kind of pop culture, I think is vital. Um, in terms of books, so I am a an absolutely voracious um, reader. And, um, I just, let's see, I'm trying to think something I read that had a big, big impact on me. Um, there's a fantastic book called a knock at, I think it's called a knock at midnight by Brittany K Barnett. And Mm -hmm. she is, um, an act of a lawyer, former corporate lawyer and now activist who has been working with, um, falsely incarcerated death row inmates and Mm -hmm. trying to clear them off of death row. And she tells the story of her work to exonerate many of these people and then to think about how um, formerly incarcerated people can rebuild their lives and reenter into society. And I think that's just an incredibly important theme Mm -hmm. as we think about inclusive hiring and bringing opportunities and using our power as businesses to best impact society and bring opportunity to all. Sounds
1: close to uh, just mercy, which is one of my, yes,
2: exactly. It's really along those same themes. I highly recommend it. And actually she just did a Ted talk um, about two months ago. That was mm-hmm. absolutely awesome. I highly recommend, you know, everyone to take a look. She's an amazing thought leader in this space.
1: Excellent. Well, Stacy, thank you so much for your time. Um, Kia's Valley, Valley team, check out all the job openings on Visa's um uh careers page and um and be in touch. And thank you for your time today.
2: Thanks, everyone. Great to be with you.
1: Likewise.
0: And everybody, we have some shows coming up uh in a few weeks' time. So we will see you next friday forum march 11th uh, before we get to those i want to make sure we thank properly our guests stacy Zoltara and from visa and kamelia who who is one of our most uh Well, let's just say active board members. We hope you are participating also with PRSA Silicon Valley. Uh, We have so much more to do this year. We're just getting started. Thanks to our guest today. Um, Next up, we will see you Friday, March 11th. Mark your calendar, it's easy to do on the LinkedIn. We've also sent some people calendars, message us if you'd like that too. We are happy to make sure that you have that and you're ready for it when the meeting happens. And really what that one's gonna be about is uh, learning more about Bose PR, which is a hot PR agency, high growth, uh, lots of uh, focus on recognition and awards, lots of really interesting projects they're working on. You'll want to hear more about that. Uh, We're also going to be doing the following week, uh, there's going to be more on job hunting, strategies, resources, and support. We've got a whole team doing a series on strategies for uh, your career, Uh, not just uh, random things. This is like we, every month, we are doing something for you, specifically for you. I hope you are getting that. Tell us in the chat if you're finding this valuable. We also want to hear from you, all your feedback as well. And then we have a joint program. Diversity, equity, and inclusion is something that is really core to the work that we do at PRSA, Silicon Valley, uh, and in PRSA, national and the large. If you are working in the communications industry, uh, this program will be very valuable to you. Um, and it will be a joint program with our uh, Pacific Northwest chapter. Thank you to Judith Cushman, who's been working on that for some time. Guess what? That's a Thursday. We're doing that to keep you interested. Get on your toes. Not just every Friday. Friday Forum might be on a Thursday sometimes. Anyway, long story short, we are so happy that you spent this hour with us. Connect with me. Connect with our board. Do something. We want to see more of you. And thank you for joining us today. Bye, everybody. Oh, are we still on? Paul, our producer, it's your birthday. Happy birthday. Are we still on? I hope we're still live.
1: <laughs> yes, thank you so much. I appreciate it. We are still live. Awesome. I'm going to go ahead and <laughs> That was the most important the message sh- of the day. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thank you, everybody, for joining us today. And thanks for the birthday wishes. And I'm going to go ahead and uh, end the show now.
0: Bye, everyone.